I would shave my beard if it was like, you know, for a charity, but only if it was going to give that charity in the range of, you know, 50 to 100,000. I would get behind that. But anything under that, I mean, I'd rather just donate the money myself. Like, so so your, your, your beard's value starts at $50,000. It's essential to the brand. It's essential. (laughs) What's going on, everybody? Uh, Welcome to Without a Roadmap. This is a podcast for product people who don't have all the answers. We plan to tell the stories of product folks who get the job done, but are still figuring it out. I'm Jonas. My name is Cameron. Jonas and I are both PMs here at Parlor, which is a startup located in downtown Boston. Um, So today... Since we're both PMs, being in product management, we inherently work cross-functionally across a whole bunch of different teams, whether that's sales, marketing, customer-facing people, whatever it may be within your company. So today we want to talk about how we're doing it here at Parlor and who we like uh, interacting and working with the most and also the least. Yeah. So stay tuned till the end for some (laughs) juicy uh, hot takes. Some hot takes. So about the cross-functional, uh, working cross-functionally, uh, Cam and I thought about this for like a couple minutes before, and we kind of broke down the way that uh, features come about in two different scenarios. Uh, so the first scenario and the scenario that I kind of uh, enjoy the most is uh, when we're, uh, you know, usually between the design and, you know, product teams coming together uh, around, you know, a vision related uh, piece of Parler. So uh, things that we feel like are foundational to what Parler ought to do in order to kind of uh, provide the value that we see that it can provide. Uh, and so a lot of times these conversations come from, you know, a lot of conversations internally, but it's kind of uh, solidified into something uh, a little bit more trimmed by the CEO, Keith. Uh, So a lot of the stuff we see is coming generally from the CEO. He's kind of our product strategist. Uh, And then our chief design officer, Jonah, is also involved uh, as the head of product. Uh, So we kind of come together, the four of us, uh, you know, Keith is the Keith is the product visionary we talk shit about on, on the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and he, he signs our paychecks. So, you know, but, but at the same time, we, we, I think, you know, it's an exciting when the four of us get together. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, that's how, you know, we're working on something big. If it's, if it's the four of us working on fleshing out uh, a new feature idea, it's something that we think is really core to what Parler does. Uh, and so I always enjoy that. So the steps usually involve the CEO kind of coming in, pre- presenting us with the, the idea uh, in terms of uh, what he believes the minimum requirements are, uh, which is almost always, uh, you know, not like factual. Um, so uh, like the, the most <laughs> nice way of putting it, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and, and so the, that's the importance of having the other like three products folks on the team on the call so that we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and start to think about, um, how to scope this, this idea in, uh, in particular. Um, so the next thing that we would do is kind of come together, uh, and kind of, I understand what the, uh, what the feature is going to look like. And that would require kind of uh, the designer, uh, who's also the head of product at Parler, um, speaking on what he thinks are going to be the like kind of the design features required to kind of present, uh, you know, the solution that we're suggesting. Um, so 
that's a, that's definitely something that I enjoy being a part of because, you know, it's, uh, you know, design is definitely something that's uh, super important to, you know, product management uh, and being able to work closely with somebody as talented as Jonah uh, is definitely a pleasure. I know, Cam, that's one of your biggest, uh, you know, one of the things you enjoy the most is working, sitting right next to Jonah when we were. Yeah, in yeah. I just sometimes it's to stare at him designing new stuff, which which is like probably the best part about sitting next to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the best part about like these meetings with the four of us is that even though Keith, the CEO and Jonah, the head of products and also another founder, they're obviously a lot more senior than we are. They still value our feedback and our inputs and suggestions. And so how the product should work and eventually function within, within parlor, which I think is like super valuable, not only just how they're so open to, um, their direct reports, feedback and suggestions, but also valuable to our career growth because we get to see how they think. We get to just kind of talk out loud about how we're thinking through things, which just obviously helps us grow our skill set, grow our thinking uh, to further our careers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this, these steps, the first few steps that we mentioned so far are most related to the product management interview um, style questions, in my opinion, uh, or at least the closest that you get to the the kind of things that you practice and prepare for in product management exactly. interviews uh, is kind of thinking critically about, um, you know, like it's kind of the, uh, uh, the case questions. It's kind of thinking critically mm-hmm. about like the impact beginning with an MVP and then doing a product design style question, which are actually my favorite ones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that one, this one and the other scenario we're going to talk about later, uh, they both play hand in hand well and like really getting you prepared for, just all the product management questions, interviews and stuff you have to kind of speak through and talk through when you're doing these interviews or even if you're just helping out another fellow PM who's trying to break into product management, kind of get them in the right framework and mindset of how PMs think and how features actually come together. Because before I got into product, I didn't really know how new features actually like, came together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next step, uh, and this is where we might diverge in how a lot of product teams work. Uh, is that we actually have the designer put together the designs for this new feature prior to us actually reviewing it together and breaking this like the the feature down into individual stories and tasks. Uh, so this, you know, I've worked with Jonah at my last two companies and all my time as a product manager. So that's the way that I know uh, this process works. Um, but I'm curious to hear from other people, Cam, maybe if you had a different experience at your last company, uh, if like story breakdown happened prior to uh, like prototyping and then the actual like design review or afterwards. But um, so at my last company, we didn't have a product designer. So this is all brand new to me. Mm. Okay. So yeah, it's been great to actually experience it because it's so much fun to like go back and forth with the designs, actually looking at the designs as they're being built, the the, fa- the final, final product. It's super mm-hmm. fun and super interesting to actually see how that gets made. So this yeah. is all brand new to me. My first, what, seven months here at Parlor? Mm. That's how we like it, you know? Just mold. <laughs> so Keith can mold us into uh, his vision of a PM. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so after the, the design uh, process has been completed and we've reviewed the uh, prototype or whatever design assets have been put together, uh, then we would go through the story breakdown process. And that's where Cam and I kind of take all the things that we've learned from the ideation process into our understanding of what the uh, acceptance criteria would be and also, um, you know, like then convert that into the tasks that would be broken down and shared with engineering 
so during that process of handing off stories to engineering, we're also starting to uncover uh, things that we may have missed, you know, because we are untechnical, the product team is relatively untechnical. So uh, sometimes we misunderstand or underestimate the engineering cost of a specific portion of the feature, uh, things of that nature. So that's going to be surfaced during the engineering handoff. Uh, and then the engineers take it from there and, uh, you know, do their magic. Who knows what they do? <laughs> One thing we do do sometimes is we actually um, bring in Louise or Jason for um, during the final review session with uh, the design and the two of us and Keith, just so we can get their input to make sure we're not building something that's super, super crazy. It's going to take months to build. Um, and sometimes having them come in earlier in the process actually helps us uh, move things along faster because they can kind of from their perspective they can see um, what certain aspects of a new feature are going to take longer and so that way we can kind of chunk it up into like different versions of uh, releases so we can have like a 1.0 version we can have like a 1.1 1.2 1.3 versions that build on top of the on the, the foundation the base or the MVP version of a new product feature which mm-hmm. kind of helps us push things along faster and also helps us be more diligent and focused on QAing things instead of having to QA the entire new feature, which could be a lot of stuff depending on how the size of what we're building. Mm-hmm. And since we started doing the, like the versioning, it's actually moved the product so much more quickly. The product development process is moving much more quickly. It seems, Yeah. Uh, even though it's like more incremental, you're not getting like a boom, like, you know, here's a yeah. <laughs> about to change the world, uh, yeah. you know, it like slowly, but surely. And the QA cycles are also much more quick. And so it feels yep. like, uh, you know, we're kind of hitting our stride right now. I think, you know, being quarantined is, is, uh, you know, is <laughs> it's helped. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're yeah. kind of like locked in on our product process and it seems like we're, we're moving more efficiently. So that's, uh, you know, in a nutshell, the way that we, uh, we go about, um, you know, kind of ideations of feature development for something that's coming directly from the mind of our, you know, CEO, for example. Um, but there are a couple other scenarios, one in particular, Cam, you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So for the next scenario, it's more about, um, what either our customers are are saying or what we're hearing on um, sales calls. So Keith, uh, the CEO, obviously, and then Jonas and myself are handling, wearing multiple hats and involved in doing all the customer support, customer success type of stuff, and then also uh, pitching in on the sales side. So we're hearing a lot of things on these discovery calls about what potential customers would want from a product like Parler, um, what their current pain points are, and then also on the customer success side, we're hearing from our customers what um, pain points they're still having um, within the product. So we're hearing all that stuff. Uh, and then what we do, we surface that customer feedback or comments that have come up in sales calls um, with the larger team. And then we kind of brainstorm together about how to solve those issues, how to solve those pain points and frustrations um, to build the next feature. Mm-hmm. So we collect all those user requests, identify who's submitted those requests or who's saying that stuff on calls to kind of just give context into who's saying that um, and how we can actually help that, that pain point and like whether um, these pain points for sales prospects are like deal closers, deal busters, um, deal stoppers. And so those obviously have higher priorities um, and what we want to build next for to solve those pain points. 
Yeah. And so being a product feedback platform really helps because we have a like very solidified process around this. And, and, you know, I feel like we do work really efficiently, but but we also have really great customer satisfaction because we, uh, you know, we may have an idea in the backlog and, you know, as soon as we are, you know, hear it from customers and kind of take into account the value of that customer and the potential impact of that feature on all of our users, we're able, uh, able to kind of quickly prioritize it and, you know, get things out. And I think the, the ability for us to do that the quickly uh, or the speed in which we're able to do that uh, is why we're able to like keep customers for a while and, you know. So we were willing bring, to bring on new customers, <laughs> bring on new customers. But yeah, yeah like we, we want to build with people, especially if they're committed to, uh, you know, Parler's vision. And, uh, you know, generally it works out where if we are thinking about building something, if somebody wants it uh, or, you know, it just makes sense for us to, to work together because it's generally going to be in support of our greater vision and helping customers like them. Exactly. So first two steps. Um, we hear all the feedback, all the pain points, frustrations on either sales calls or with our, our, our current clients. Um, we take all those pain points, frustrations, what we're hearing on, on calls, emails, stuff like that. We um, surface them up to the broader team to prioritize them based on um, how we feel they impact current customers, how they can make an impact in closing deals. And then third, once we identify and prioritize which ones we want to work on next, we then loop in all those people that have been um, communicating that same frustration to kind of get their ideas like hey we're gonna actually build this thing for you what would you what would be the base requirements that you would want in this feature for it to work in the first pass of it yeah and even for non-customers uh you know we've done this same process for prospective customers yeah exactly uh, and, and we've been able to close deals that you know we may not have otherwise like we may have had a feature gap but that feature in question was something that was on our roadmap uh, maybe just further down the line uh so you know i think there is a cost benefit analysis that you can do uh where you can you know, potentially prioritize a feature, uh, even when it, you know, it's not technically a customization. I think it's, you know, an optimization and the priority isn't to a specific existing customer, but I think you can kind of factor in the potential, uh, you know, revenue implications of adding that new customer on. And that that's kind of another way that you factor things into your roadmap. It doesn't always have to just come from uh, existing customers um, because they, they might want the same thing. Exactly. And you don't always have to build everything that, a prospective customer or your current customer wants like you can you want to build it in an exact way or you can kind of put a like your own company's spin on it so hey i know um you want this xyz feature but we actually think of it differently so this is our solution to what your current problem is like will it work for you and a lot of times you'd be surprised that that that, that actually your spin and your vision of how functionality should work actually would make sense to your customer or the person you're speaking to as well mm-hmm and I think that's another reason why a lot of people, you know, might consider a startup working on like with a SaaS company that's a little bit in the earlier stage. And it's because of that flexibility where you can actually reach out to a human that's on the product team, uh, you know, give them your feedback and actually see the results of that in the form of some product update uh, relatively quickly, uh, you know, but if it makes sense, not all feedback is valuable, not, uh, you know, it, not all feedbacks worth acting on, but in a lot yeah. of cases where it does work out, uh, that's like a great example of why, um, you know, s- smaller teams especially are willing to build with another smaller team uh, right. because of that flexibility. Yeah. So, so far we got hearing the pain points, 
um, prioritizing the pain points to get a solution, present that solution, ask your current customers, your prospects, if that solution which of how you're thinking about would work for them. And then once those three steps have been, um, been finished, finalized, confirmed, then the actual product design aspect of what we talked about scenario one comes into play where the, the, the two of us also Keith and Jonah go and design it. Then we do the review together. And then we also review with the engineering team. And then we just go back into the whole normal product development life cycle for, for parlor and, Stories, handoff with engineer, QA, and then release. Mm. Do you have a preference between uh, like you know, a feature coming from the product team versus feature coming from uh, customer feedback? Uh, it's like, it depends. Like it's, it's both, I, I love solving like problems. And so in scenario two, you're solving like a, a customer problem that you know they're having right now. And so if you solve it right, you know, it's going to bring them a whole bunch of joy. Like they're going to love and thank you for it. It's going to like solve, like it's going to make an immediate impact. Whereas the other one, like it's always cool to build out the visionary functionality because you know, it's eventually going to work out. Like, you know, it's going to make an impact. And mm-hmm. that's what you're kind of always striving to do is make that, that visionary impact. But sometimes that stuff takes longer to make an impact for your customers and clients at times than like the other scenario two where you're solving a direct need that they're having right now mm-hmm. it's it's funny that your last point that uh, you say that you really care about how happy it makes the customer uh and that's because like as product people at parlor we also work directly with the customer we're the discovery specialist <laughs> uh but like you know across a lot of the different discovery calls we've been having with customer teams and product teams lately we've seen that there is a huge disconnect between like what yeah. the product team want like most yeah. product people want the visionary change they just want to work <laughs> yeah. All the big feature updates that are gonna, you know, you know, hopefully uh, help improve their product market fit and something that they can add a new drop down on their marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the customer people get excited and obviously are held accountable for renewals and customer satisfaction. So mm-hmm. it's interesting when you're a product person more in tune with the the voice of the customer, like how it kind of impacts what you do uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, right, where, right. Where your priorities lie, because like building the new feature that the new flashy feature like it's it's always fun and like you just put on your link like hey i was in charge of this feature that eventually generated x y and z and did all this for the company or it's like if you're just solving customer problems it's not as flashy or not as a big stamp on like your resume or something like that mm-hmm. yeah so so product folks talk to your customers but also listen to your customers <laughs> listen you don't know how many time how many customer teams we've spoken with lately uh, who feel like they're completely ignored by their product uh, counterparts. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, take, uh, take it with a grain of salt, but, yeah. uh, you know, they, they definitely might, uh, might have something to say that would be valuable yeah. to customers. Some customer teams are even their, their biggest priority is working better with the product team. So I should just right. nudge you guys on this a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> this is something we're learning too, because this yeah. is, you know, something we struggled with at Firecracker, and that's, you know, how Parlor came about. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's not just, uh, it's not like we have it down perfectly, but we just recognize that this was a pro- big problem and, you know, started yeah. bothered to hope. Uh, yeah. It help definitely it. helped me out just building more empathy for in the future when we, if we do have a customer facing team and we're not always as involved in customers, like I'll, I'll know where they're coming from when they're mm-hmm. constantly bugging me to build this one thing. I'm like, ah, all right, all right, I got you. I know, I, I know, yeah. I know what you're, what you're feeling right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're building, yeah, man, look at, look yeah. at all that. Look at that look growth. At us. Look at look that at us. growth. 
<laughs> All right. So after in both scenarios, after the feature's been built, now it comes time to actually work with the marketing and sales people in your department to kind of talk talk through how to actually talk about these new features in the market. So building those landing pages, building the product page on the website, uh, any like LinkedIn blog posts you want to do to support the new feature announcement, and then also communicating and how you actually want to sell this uh this new feature so how's how do you sell this new feature in a way that it solves a frustration that your potential client could be having right now Mm -hmm. and we know all about that now everybody because we (laughs) last week's episode of on product marketing with evelyn from privy shout out to evelyn uh yeah (laughs) so that's that's, you know she actually like inadvertently caused me to buy cereal because of her analogy like i've actually bought cereal for the first time in like years I, that's what I was saying. She <laughs> got away with explaining things. Her analogies were always on point, made it super clear. Yeah, like definitely see a future as like an instructor of some sort for her. <laughs> but all right, so before we run out of time, the exciting questions, which functional group do you like working with the most? Why don't you go first? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's, I don't know. It's not kind of, but uh, I think engineering. I, I think that's probably uh, you know for not for the reasons you might expect. I think uh, you know just because I'm so deficient or I feel like I'm really deficient in that area. By working closely with engineering, I like surround myself in the office by two engineers. Uh, I feel like I'm like you know via osmosis picking up there. Uh, the osmosis knowledge. Jones. Yes, <laughs> I, mean, I should get my one. boy. So yeah, I, I think just being in that, uh, you know, being around them and, and uh, you know, I learned so much and it, it really is what is going to help me down the line, be able to more quickly uh, adapt to new uh, products and new teams, uh, being able to like understand the lingo better and, and kind of uh, figure out how that fits into being a product manager. So working as closely with them as possible has like taught me probably the most outside of just general product work. So I like working point. with engineering the most. Yeah, an argument can be made for that. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a You defended it? Yeah. yeah. Right. I think uh, for me, I think it would be marketing. Mm. At first, I thought, it, like, at first it was design, but design is part of product, so you can't, and that's not, that doesn't really count. Mm. Um, okay. You sure you for that? Because Casey's on the call right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> 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 I, thought, I thought about it hard. Um, but like you, it was kind of like engineering because you're going back and forth and actually developing the feature that you spent all this time thinking about, talking through, writing stories for. And like you actually get to see it come to life. But with marketing, I think for me, what's most fun about that is like actually thinking of creative ways of how to position the new feature, like coming up all the assets like videos, um, blogs, all the content stuff that you can do and trying to market your new feature that you just launched and how it fits in the market and how like how you can be competitive with this new feature. And I think the main thing is the competitive part. Mm. Just seeing how like your new feature is like better than somebody else or how your new feature stacks up with somebody else's. Cause like the best part is like when you're on uh, a discovery call or you're on like a customer call and they're like, yeah, I used to use this feature or this, this product. And like your stuff is a lot better. It's like, Oh, thank you. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the marketing is probably the, the most fun I have. Um, I like interacting with them most like after the feature is built is like thinking of all the ways you can kind of position and talk about this, this product to eventually sell to your customers or whoever wants to buy your product because 
they can get value out of it. And then you can also solve their problem. Mm. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So like coming out of high school and during college, like my main thing is I wanted to be involved in technology that helps people work more efficiently, solves customer problems. And I feel like actually talking about those things and like communicating them out to the market is probably the most fun I have in the cross collaboration stuff. Mm. Okay. Maybe should we maybe keep the the most difficult cross functional team uh, interaction for another episode? We're kind of running a little long, so I'd say we can come back to it on another episode. Back to it? Yeah, yeah. Let's make them. Let's make them earn it. You know, you, gotta... you don't want the smoke. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I started looking at what I wrote down. I was like, all right, no, I'm not ready to get into this right now. <laughs> for another day. Cool. So my most fun interacting with a different team is is marketing and yours was engineering all right so yeah. so, sorry louise and jason i still love you guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even need to say that about marketing they know the love is there even with casey on the call that's crazy yeah it's okay she knows what's good all right everybody appreciate you tuning in make sure to share subscribe follow like mm-hmm. All that all stuff, all the stuff, all that stuff. And uh, you might unlock, uh, you know, special access to Cam's Xbox gamer tag if you like and follow on every platform. So it's, a, it's I'm a always ready. Story. Yep. I'm always ready. <laughs> you see the gaming chair in the back. <laughs> Show me. You got, you got the gaming headset ready too. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, we're discriminating on our uh, our, Let's go. our podcast uh, only listening. <laughs> wow, look at that. <laughs> My man's ready. He's quarantine ready. All right, everybody. Hope you have a good rest of your week. It's us signing off.